Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another Firefill segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Chandler Walker, and you know, it's me, your girl, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, back at it again. For those of you that are just tuning in, welcome back. For those newbies out there, sit back and enjoy a fun, transparent conversation that I like to call coffee chat style. So let me tell you a little bit more about Chandler. So Chandler is definitely going to be hitting us with some good info that I think all of us would appreciate from a consumer standpoint. But Chandler started his entrepreneurial journey after graduating from the University of Nevada, Reno, with a degree in biochemistry and foregoing um, in a medical pathway to pursue a brick and mortar wellness facility. He then pivoted to an online health practice a year before the COVID lockdowns. After scaling back both businesses to the seven figure um, level and doing 3,000 to 4,000 sales consultation, Chandler was frustrated with the way sales were taught. We all been there, huh? He was tired of the old school objection handling, aggressive tactics, and salesy attitude taught by most sales trainers. So he looked back at what he was doing, combed through his notes, and created Compassion Conversations, a therapeutic-driven, psychological-based sales system centered around compassion and care. Chandler has taught over 3,000 people his system of compassion conversation and has the goal to change and redefine the landscape of sales altogether. Chandler also invests regularly in the crypto markets and bought ETH, uh, no, yeah, the new one, Ethereum. I totally butchered that, y'all, so don't don't come for me. When it was $15, obtaining a 20,000% increase and turning $250 into 50K. So without further ado, welcome, Chandler. And can you tell me how to accurately pronounce that? Because that one's a new one for me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It, it's pronounced Ethereum, which Ethereum. is not, it's really challenging to pronounce for most people. Amazing. So Chandler, before we dive into the work that you're doing um, based on psychotherapeutic models of sales and the three stages that you teach on, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal manner. So there are two options we could do. We could do either an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Let's do rapid fire 10 questions. I'm all about that machine gun style. Oh, are you talking about Machine Gun Kelly or Machine Gun for Real? <laughs> I, I don't know. Either way, Machine Gun Kelly's fast. Machine Gun for Real's fast. So let's rapid fire. Here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Chandler and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one. What does your name mean? So my name actually means candle maker. So if anybody needs candles, apparently I'm designed and built genetically to build candles. <laughs> Question two, favorite color? Favorite color, blue. Okay. Question three, dream car, dream home, or hell? Let's go big and have both. Yeah, dream car. Uh, This is is funny, but 
instead of like a Lambo and stuff like that, I'm all about like driving a little smart car. And my dream home is like living in, in Hawaii, which we're kind of looking at and, and on the beach. It doesn't matter if it's a little shack where I'm fishing out of or a mansion, but as long as I'm near the water and maybe I even take the car back, maybe my dream car is just a little surfboard or one of those little things you ride around on the water that's motorized. Love that. I saw, I saw the plug there instead of a Lambo. That's my dream car, but I do have practical cars too. I just love need for speed, but it's not about Genesis. Okay. Question four. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? I think my favorite superpower would be to be able to predict and understand what people are thinking. So just know what they're thinking, the ability to say, oh, I know what you're thinking and automatically already have it down. It just, it would make the world an easier place, at least for me. Question five, if you could recreate or relive, relive any significant moment in your life, what would it be? Oh man, the best moment in my, the history of the world was the birth of my little girl. She's three now, but if I could like recreate that moment where I'm, cause I think as a dad, you don't really recognize that what's coming out until you're holding it. So if I could recreate that moment where I'm holding her and it feels like, like lightning bolts are flowing through my whole body. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And if I could just sit through that over and over again, it would be the ultimate high in the world. Oh, that's amazing. Were you there throughout the entire labor and delivery process for your daughter? I was, it was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Question six, what is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Coffee, 100%, but it has to be cold brew. If it's hot, I'm not drinking it. I don't care if it's like a blizzard and it's eight negative 100 degrees out. I'm still drinking cold coffee. <laughs> Question seven, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present, who would it be and why? Yeah, I'd probably go back and, and have lunch with my grandfather. He was the kindest person I ever met. He taught me how to, ha how to have empathy for people, how to not judge people and how to ultimately approach a situation just without judgment in, in your mind. Question eight, you get three random acts of kindness per day that you're supposed to do for someone else. What are your three for today? Yeah, the three things I'm going to do is I'm going to find three people on the street and compliment them. I think we go through life and we, everyone thinks everyone's judging each other as you walk by each other on the street. But I would say smile, compliment, smile, compliment, smile, compliment. And you magically just make people feel good about themselves. Question nine. What is your favorite song right now? Ooh, there's this, uh, so myself and my little girl, there's this song, she loves police. And this is the complete opposite, but the song is, this is the sound of the police. And it goes, whoop, whoop. So she'll go, daddy, what's the sound of the police? And I'll say, I don't know. And she'll go, whoop, whoop. So right now that's our legitimate favorite song. Oh my gosh, just for kicks and giggles. Like y'all, if you don't know the song, who wants to hear Chandler sing it? So Chandler, sing the first like few seconds of that song. Yeah, I'll sing exactly what we go through every time she makes me repeat it. So this is the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. This is the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and then she's my chorus. So I'm like, what's the sound of the police? And she's like, whoop, whoop. And then the police, like, we'll grab them and off the street and stuff. And she'll go, whoop, whoop. And we have a good time. And they give her stickers. <laughs> oh, that is so cute. Like a, a daddy-daughter bonding moment. And question 10. It is our pass or play question, Chandler, and here are the rules. So if you pass, our rules are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? Let's play. Okie dokie. Last question. If you could go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would you be headed? 
However, there is a kicker. You may not be able to go back to your home base for some time because the pilots have now went on strike. Yeah, I think for me, I would just go straight to Hawaii where we're kind of looking for a house and stuff anyway. So I would fly out there. We would have our little beach shack, beach house, whatever it is, take my family. We never need to come back. We're already moved and settled. <laughs> Amazing. So thank you for playing rapid fire Chandler and audience. I hope you got to learn a little bit more about Chandler on a personal front. Now we're going to dive into the main part of the segment, which is the work that Chandler is doing because he saw a need to do sales in a different way with compassion, empathy, and et cetera, versus like the sharky salesy way where you're selling something to somebody that you may not necessarily believe in, or you may not be or you may not feel good about the sale after the fact, even though the money is good. So Chandler, tell us how you got involved in the work that you're doing today. And I think in order for us to understand that, um, share a little bit more about your background because you did um, pivot based on your bio from biochemistry and wanting to go um, the medical route to now doing sales and et cetera. Yeah, good question. So I grew up with a mom who suffered from bipolar disorder. And back then it was, if you had any sort of mental health issues, thoughts or anything like that going on, people just looked at you and thought you were stupid. It's like, just, just smile. There are no, there is no such thing as mental health. And fast forward today, we know that that's radically wrong, but the problem was my whole childhood, she suffered from it. She had ups and downs. And I ultimately started to learn how to communicate with her from a neutral way. And I learned that if I remove my ego as a kid, even from the equation, I could help work her up and down. And she ultimately didn't really find help until, or, or a way to mitigate and, and live with what she was with bipolar disorder until my twenties. And that kind of led me into a med school pathway to where I thought I could create this foundation to help people and create change in the world. But the problem was when I started to get into it and started precepting, what I recognized was it's a system of medication, medica medicating people. And so you talk to someone, they want pills. You have to give them pills. If you don't want to give them pills, they're going to give you a bad Yelp review or or you're going to get sued for telling someone to eat an apple. So it's not even the doctor's fault. It's the system. And so that completely disenfranchised me. And that made me shift and, and decide, okay, I'm going to open up this brick and mortar wellness facility. And I was lucky enough to have a, have a father who was an entrepreneur. He had a side in a windows and general contractor company. And he taught me two really good things. Number one, I did not want to work with my hands for a living because he made me go every summer and hang siding and windows with him. And I was not into that game, but I did also get to see how he, how he ran a business, like driving to customers' houses. And he would bribe me by buying me a donut and orange juice. And so I would go with him and watch him communicate, watch him run the business. And so then I said, dad, I think I'm going to open up this gym and, and move out of this med school path. And he said, don't do it. If you're going to do anything, just work for the post office and retire. You don't want to run a business. And of course I did the opposite. And that's kind of how the game started. That's interesting. The game changer. So out of necessity, that was your first, first inclination for wanting to go down the medical, medical path, because the necessity was you wanted to be the change you wanted to see. Um, after having, um, dealing with your mother with bipolar and we know back in the day, um, talking about mental health had a lot of stigmas around it versus where we are today, where people are being more accepted and receptive to hearing more about um, mental health challenges, but we still have a ways to go there. And then I do like the fact that you mentioned that your father was an entrepreneur and you quickly learned that you didn't want to work with your hands, but there was a way that you wanted to be in business for yourself. So you kind of took what you learned from your mother's experience and what your father's experience was and created a path and a lane for yourself. 
Yeah, exactly. And that ultimately resulted in us opening up a brick and mortar. And the brick and mortar was devoted to six areas of wellness, mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and, and ultimately habits. And the seventh pillar now, which is wealth. And the next thing I ran into was we had a high value service. The service was like $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 for people to jump into. So I started hiring sales coaches to learn how to sell better. But the problem was these coaches would be like, you got to stab them with the knife and twist it. And then you got to emotionally manipulate them. And if they cry, they buy. So, and the call doesn't start until objections. And I was like, this is number one, this is ridiculous. I'm learning to manipulate people to make them better. So I, I was like, wait. I'm manipulating people to help them improve their health. And so I feel like I'm a fraud. I have this like disconnect in what I'm doing. So then I looked at our mental health curriculum that we built out and I took all of that. I took the ideas of cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, acceptance and commitment therapy, and, and a little bit of trauma and recovery and took that and created the psychotherapeutic model of sales out of it. So it's not just like a watered NLP thing that everybody seems to claim NLP is like the, the end all be all. Like if you do NLP, you're magic. But what it was, was that we took real science and real psychology, installed that into the sales system. And then I still wasn't comfortable with it. So I did three to 4,000 sales conversations by myself to test it before I started scaling it to my team. And I like how you took science, you took different techniques that you learned, and you partnered them to, uh, together in order to create a model and a modality that has been proven based on you doing market research analysis, which your metrics were the 3000 to 4000 sales calls that you did to kind of survey to see, okay, is this, is this worthwhile? Is this sticking? Is it resonating? And etc. And for those of you listening, I know Chandler mentioned NLP and NLP is neuro linguistics programming and then cognitive behavior therapy is um, stands for um, CBT is the acronym for those of you that may um, be aware of that but what he's doing is really understanding the psychological reasoning and putting therapy uh, therapy into it so the therapeutic so which is like a holistic framework and then he's combining uh, all of his knowledge into this model for sales and he does it with three different stages right would you say that's a good summary kind of chandler yeah, that's a perfect summary. And the idea behind it is let's take the idea of psychology. Like you go to your therapist, for example, and your therapist doesn't walk in the door and say, you're going to get fixed today. And you're like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. And here's why. That's like typical sales. I'm going to force you to make a decision that you don't want to make versus what we're doing is we're helping someone move into their own truth. They're learning, they're selling themselves, which gets a yes. And it also removes the idea of like refund requests and buyer's remorse. I like that because then if you're getting them to move into it for themselves, they, they begin to know more, more about their wants and their needs, and they feel comfortable whenever they buy, buy from you. And then you also feel comfortable as a seller whenever they purchase something from you. And I think it has that win-win synergy there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we need. And when you look at the old way of doing things, it's like, get on a million sales calls, read this sales script that you hate and you already forgot. Try to memorize how to get past objections, but then you don't like it. You feel horrible. Think about dropping the price the whole time. And as you're thinking about it, your palms are sweaty, you're like clammed up and you're like, I hate this. Where's my anxiety pills? And we want to get out of that in that old way and move to this new model to where you get on the call and you're pumped, you're excited. You're not attached to the sale anymore. You already know what you're going to talk about because it's a simple pattern of asking questions. You're excited to speak to this human being and ultimately move into this dynamic to where you know what you're doing is actually serving people and not manipulating people emotionally. 
Absolutely. So let's um, get into that because it's all about shifting our mindset and the overall paradigm behind it. So can you walk through the psychotherapeutic models of sales and the three stages that you have worked on with your sales coaches and et cetera, so they can now um, help other people that are coming into y'all's pipeline? Yeah, for sure. So there's three major mindset shifts we have to understand to be able to install this psychotherapeutic framework and ultimately work into our nine-step framework. So step one is detaching from the need to sell. And this is the idea of the human relationship dynamic. Think about it this way. If you're trying, if you're dating someone you just met and all you do is pick up your phone and text them 24 seven and call them 350 times, you're now needy and they're going to run away from you. Same thing in sales. If I show up as a sales representative and I'm like, I'm super excited to talk with you. I can't wait to have our conversation today. You sound super needy. And then you get on the call. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm your friend. Yep. I'll do anything. Yep. I have commission breath. Yes. Please just buy, please just buy. Now nobody wants anything to do with you because you've lit up the sales resistance to max level 10. So what we need to do when we detach from the need to sell is we detach from that level of want and we move into a level to where we're there to ultimately make a decision as to whether or not this person is going to be aligned with your programs. And that decision is reinforced by the fact that you already know you're going to enroll one out of every three people into your programs. So the need of, I hope I get this sale. I hope my business is here tomorrow goes away because you have that certainty already established. Got it. So this is what I what I heard and took took notes on. So we're detaching from the need to sell. So you're not having that. Um, oh, I gotta 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 do that because then the consumer can also recognize whenever you're desperate. And if they feel like you're desperate, they feel like your heart is not in the right place. And so if I see that from a consumer standpoint, I'm going to feel like you're a shark. You're just trying to offload this on me. So you could either make a bonus, hit that commission or et cetera. And then you're not even going to care um, if this is either going to benefit me or not. Then you said to detach from the level of want and move into the level to make a decision. So, okay, you're taking away, okay, is this something that I really want or is this something that I need? And is it practical? So you feel more certain about what you're getting ready to buy. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, that's perfect. And ultimately what this does is it removes the fear, the uncertainty and the doubt towards making a buying decision with you. And then that moves into our our second pillar, which is the idea of achieving level five listening. And what that really means is level one is ignoring. Like you're talking to me and I'm off in outer space, not paying attention to you at all. Level two is me pretending. So like you're talking to me, but I'm like this, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Whatever you're saying is cool, but I'm not listening to anything you're saying. I'm pretending level three, which is kind of where most people sit. Level three is basically we're sitting here talking, but you're already thinking about how you're going to respond. You're not necessarily present and listening. You're just sort of there just to get the response in. And I think most most people live in that level. Level four is where I'm attentive. I'm paying attention. I'm giving feedback, but I'm still sort of in my own ego. And then level five is where I step outside of my own ego. I recognize that I need to understand this person's model of the world. I recognize that my right or wrong, my yes or no, doesn't really exist in this scenario. What exists is understanding how this other human being grew up, what their model of the world is, why they think the things they do, because ultimately then I can step inside their heart and soul and their mind and ultimately have a real conversation with them that can get deep. And typically this conversation is something that they haven't gone through with another human being before. So they respect you. They admire you. You build this leadership, you build this certainty and you build this trust with people. Yeah. So 
what you just said, that latter part, I call that going beyond the surface level and deep diving, because whenever you are attentively listening to the other person, you're connecting with their emotions. You're also understanding why they think a certain way. You're understanding a little bit more about their morals, their values, their characteristics, and et cetera. And you're genuinely um, formulating a rapport with that individual. So you're putting the human instincts back into humanity, and you're letting that individual know that you genuinely care. And I feel like whenever you genuinely care about a person and what matters to them, and they could sense it, they could feel it, and etc., then they're going to be more open and receptive receptive to listening to what it is that you have to offer them and how it's going to make their life better. So people don't buy problems. People buy solutions to their problems. How can you make their life easier, more uh, more efficient, and to increase that productivity? And I'm not an expert in your field, Chandler, because my background's oil and gas and my degree supply chain. But just to hear you talk about what you're doing, makes sense. And I, I wonder why more businesses aren't adopting this framework and model. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think what it really is, is everybody's stuck in this mindset to where sales has to be sales. Sales has to be this gross thing where you're trying to get some money out of people and they don't want to give you money. So everybody thinks of it as this fight, this battle. And most sales trainers today teach that battle. They teach you how to handle objections. They teach you how to stick them with the knife and twist it. They teach you how to emotionally manipulate, flip someone upside down. So when they cry, they buy. And I think we have, we can recognize now though, that the consumer is shifting into a model to where they want to be heard. They want to speak with someone who can provide them leadership that makes them feel good about the situation they're in. They want to confide in someone and tell someone things they haven't told anyone before. And they ultimately want to remove the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that you might be able to solve their problem and see that your solution specifically fits them. And that's why the psychotherapeutic model fits in here, because this is, establishes the idea that people will know they'll begin to like you and they'll trust you, which removes fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it builds that credibility based on that no like and trust factor. So exactly. Chandler, one question I want to ask that I forgot to ask earlier, whenever you were going through your testing phase and you were testing your hypothesis by doing your market research analysis, and how did you decide on the number of people you were going to survey the 3000 to 4000 people to ensure that your methodology was solid and um, airtight? Yeah, good question. So basically, I knew that I needed more than like a couple hundred. I knew I knew I knew I needed more than even a 1000 because I needed a large enough sample size to be able to showcase that a small business that's operating globally can provide this service at, at scale. And this thing can be systematized and processed. So the first 500 allowed me to create checks and balances, the next 500 allowed me to remove things, put new things in the next 500 allowed me to reinforce and solidify what was there. And then by the time I got to the three or 4000, I was at a point where I had a very solid framework. I understood what the three main shifts were and what the nine step framework was. And I was able to scale it to my team and then test it with them. So then my team did another probably 10,000 sales calls with that one. And then ultimately after that, we finally started scaling this thing and allowing coaches to actually go into the compassion conversations, psychotherapeutic Academy. And then from just thinking about it from a due diligence standpoint to the checks and balance, how do you audit your team members to just make sure that they are following the framework in order, um, 
in order that you're giving it because sometimes people you could give them the blueprint and you could give them all the tools that they necessarily need but then they end up putting their own spin on it and then whenever something happens you're like okay why is this happening or whatnot so it's almost like how do you audit and do an inventory to just make sure that they are truly sticking to the framework and it's something that they believe in as a team yeah i think the first step in like leading a good sales team and making sure the belief is there is recognizing that your sales team doesn't always see the results and i think that's where a, a sales team leader usually go, goes wrong or goes off we have to be able to show them and display to them the results that are happening as a result of the sales they're making. So, hey, look at all these good things that are happening because of you guys. And here's the big grand vision of what we're doing. And here's why, and here's how, how the, this gets us closer. And then ultimately how we create checks and balances are you have a lead who, a sales team lead who listens to the calls that everybody makes. So every rep records their phone calls. Every rep does an after action report and an after action review. And then we do case studies where we listen to calls together and everybody kind of outlines maps out what's working, what's not, what needs to be adjusted. And so through this whole process, you get to understand the, the personality of the rep, you get to understand what their after action review looks like, and you ultimately keep everybody moving in the same framework. Mm, I like that. And I like um, that y'all factored in the case studies, because the case studies almost sound like a 360 feedback, where they're giving feedback based on what they see from their perspective as it's working or it's not working. And then it allows leadership to tweak it from their level as well. So you're doing it together to really create those synergies. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things as well is the idea that it builds team the team atmosphere into sometimes a sales environment is sometimes very individual. So it brings the team aspect and the idea that your peers can help you and your peers can work together to improve, which ultimately makes the hive mind of the team better. Amazing. And I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to throw you an audible Chandler. Is there anything that I did not ask that you want to cover that would add value to this conversation and the work that you're doing? Before yeah, I think we I think oh. the last thing that, oh, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. Okay. And I was going to, yeah. I think the, the big thing, the last thing that I can bring into this thing is, is if you're struggling with objections, we have the model of the challenging leader, which is ultimately where we recognize that most of us are people pleasers. I, I know I'm a, a people pleaser, but if I come into every conversation and I'm like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm never actually challenging this person's coachability. So by becoming a challenging leader, what I can do is challenge finances, challenge the idea. Do you have a spouse, business partner, anybody else involved? I can challenge everything associated with uncertainty and doubt. Like, are you sure this is for you? Are you sure you want to do this right now. Why not wait? Are you, why would you want to buy this thing? So that way, every step of the way, I'm not only challenging them whether or not they want to be in the program, but I'm challenging their coachability down the road. If someone can't have a hard conversation with me now, it's going to be really hard down the road. Okay. I love, I love that. And I love the fact that um, you mentioned that you put yourself first because you are a reflection of management and leadership and people should be able to see how you lead and then follow suit but then if something isn't isn't going right then they should be able to have that open door policy where they come to you exactly and, and that's key it allows you to have this sort of this persona to where you're not hold up in a wall. You're not like the hunchback of Notre Dame hiding in your your tower. You're available in there. You're not gone in this mysterious individual. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that, Chandler. Now let's jump into the CTA, which is the call to action part of the segment. What is your call to action for our audience once they hear this um, recording? 
Yeah. So if you're interested in learning the psychotherapeutic framework to creating compassion conversations in your business, I'm basically going to give the entire framework away. There's nine steps. And if you want that framework, all you have to do is go to nine step dot culture of care dot life. That's the number nine step dot culture of care dot life. That's dot life, not dot com. You'll go there. You'll fill out your name, email, phone number. You'll what then you'll get redirected to our Facebook group where there's like the amount of videos in that free Facebook groups are equivalent to most $10,000 programs. And then we'll deliver you the free nine step thing. So you'll walk away ready to go, ready to click your heels and make some good sales without manipulation or feeling horrible. Amazing. And um, outside of Facebook, is there any other um, social media platform that you're on Chandler? Yeah. If you want to follow me for the idea of sales, if you want to see me surfing with my beautiful little daughter and just having a good life and enjoying things and feel good about yourself, then go to Instagram. That's instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF. If you want to watch more videos and get an idea of, of me speaking like this, just go to youtube.com forward slash Chandler Walker SAF. And I do a lot more wealth videos, investing strategies, sales, and a lot uh, that kind of stuff on YouTube. Amazing. And I will link that in the show notes, um, Chandler. And if you happen to have a link tree or anything like that, where all of your information is one place, send that to me as well. And I could definitely share that. But audience, all of Chandler's contact information will be in the show notes. So all you need to do is read, scroll on down and tap in with him. This recording is on 40 plus platforms. So make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. You could also see the recording to this video on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, where would I be without my supporters? You know, I only think about you. I want to thank you for coming in and supporting on a consistent basis, the guests that I bring into the community, as well as the mission behind the podcast, which is to bring on content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while also weaving in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together to have these fruitful conversations for all of us to learn and grow. And if there's a topic that you want to hear that has not been covered yet, please reach out to me. And we are looking for brand sponsors. Spaces are limited, and this is paid sponsorship. And you can find more info by going to genesisamariskemp.net or sending me an email to genesisamariskemp at gmail.com. We're currently ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the metrics on www.listennotes.com. So you can fact check me and check the metrics, y'all. But until the next segment, next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.